0: Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan. What's going on, Mike?
1: Grump, welcome home. Welcome back to uh, New Jersey.
0: That's right. I'm, I'm home to <laughs> home from Sweet Home Alabama to Dirty Jersey. I'm I'm back, um, and it was that was quite a trip I had.
1: I know I was uh, vicariously living through you for the last week. It was. Uh... It was very exciting, you know. You you pumped out tons of you know great content that I learned a lot from. You know, working with the, the Talking Giants boys was great. You know, it was uh, really helped me out, and I hopefully helped out a lot of Giant fans out there learning about you know the prospects coming up for the draft in a couple of months.
0: Yeah, um, and it was a lot of fun. This is this is the kind of stuff that I I, I think that I'm I'm best at. Uh, it's the stuff I enjoy doing the most. That's definitely for sure. Um, Especially since we haven't been able to enjoy a Giants season in a good five years. Um, But yeah, this is the the kind of stuff that I do enjoy doing. So this was my first time going down there and seeing it all in person. And uh, I mean, honestly, it was great having the Talking Giants guys there. Not just because they are awesome at what they do and that they're good guys and and whatever. But like, I had people to kind of guide me around where I, I, I was like a little out of my depth at first but then I, I felt like i fit right in amongst you know the peers there and and uh, this is a
1: big this is a big thing for us i mean you yeah. know this is a podcast has been going on for you know a few years now of just really just two fans we have pretty no, much yeah we have no connection to the media we have no pull with anything we're just these we're two jerks we just go to giant games and talk about the giants because we love them and this is the first time we've really you know had a little legit- legitimacy of actually stepping across that the Rubicon into being part of the media, part of, you know... It's just I mean, just really part of something me.
0: more, just part of Super something beyond wow. the external view, having some level of insight, which was pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. And this is, honestly, this is all stuff that I cut up anyway. It's just that I actually got to see it with my own eyes and, and be there and, and choose what I wanted to look at, which, you know, I, I'm... I don't know if I made a mistake or not. You know, I really enjoyed looking O-line, D-line because I'm always going to have Giants-colored glasses on when I look at this stuff. I can't not do that. Um, and since that's what we needed, that's where I looked first. So saving the wide receivers DBs for a rainy day literally – um, that was pretty stupid because I wasn't able to see as much as I wanted to then, whereas I would have seen plenty in the trenches. But either way, you know, I also learned a lot, and you know, we're going to make every effort to be there next year. And and I have a laundry list of things I could have done better, and and. and Things that I plan on doing better. So that's that's in the work. Well, but in, in the immediate future, I mean, this channel, everybody that, that joined on based on what we were doing down there, based on being associated with Talking Giants, et cetera, um, you know, that level of like insight into these players and guys that I didn't really know a whole lot about going down there, et cetera, um, is what we have planned for this entire spring. I mean, the course of the next couple of months, Mar- February, March, and April, as we get into the draft, I mean, this is kind of the the thing that we're going to drive home is this draft stuff free agency and really you know essentially just like you know player profiles you know uh getting a really really good look at the players that the giants could be looking at be interested in in both the free agency side and the draft side
1: yeah i mean we got to rebuild this roster you know, this is this is finally a full rebuild, which we've all wanted. We've rebuilt the the organization. We've rebuilt the front office. Now it's time to rebuild this roster. And, you know, these next couple of months are going to be the foundation for what's being done for years to come. So, you know, I, I, and also the other thing I wanted to say to you, Grump, is, you know, based on all your hard work and all the good work that you did and everything, we've had a ton of new subscribers on Facebook, a ton of new followers now on on all our socials you know on on you know for the the audio podcast and we just want to say you know thank you and you know, welcome to the show um you know i think what you saw what Grump did, you know in the last week or so is what we try to do going forward or you know his analysis my opinions are camaraderie of being giant fans so just welcome everybody and hit the subscribe buttons to youtube and 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 SoundCloud and Apple, and give us, you know, if you could, a nice rating because that really helps us as we're building this, you know, this Giants family together. So thank you to everybody.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, we aim to please. So if you enjoyed what I was able to offer down there, you know, essentially borrowing equipment from the Talking Giants guys, and, <laughs> and, and I was really operating completely minimally. I mean, I, w- I was the kid down there with basically a, a notebook and um, a pen and then my phone that was really it that's all i had to work with i didn't and even back at the hotel it's not like i didn't have a mobile computer i had literally nothing i was i was operating with what i had so um, I job. you know going forward you know with this channel you know i have a lot more at my disposal to do this stuff so um i, I i'm hoping to only deliver better content than what i've already given you um yeah. but you know that week <laughs> super frustrating you know and, and, and you know, I'm standing there next to, you know, Bobby and Justin and, and Snacks as we're kind of at practice and we're, we're trying to, like, take in-depth look at these guys as they shuffle in and out of reps like lightning. You know what I mean? Like, these practices move. So all those reps, they happen back to back. So there's no stopping. We're like, very little time to even talk in between reps, whatever. And meanwhile, we're kind of shouting to each other. It's like... You know, all this news is happening. Guys aren't being retained. People are being hired. People are being fired. I mean, we had to. We hired an O-line coach. We were at practice, so there's nothing we could do to look him up until we came back. Hired a QB coach. We're at practice. You know what I mean? Like, there, it was a lot to catch up on. So this is a lot I want to get with you. We did kind of catch up on all that in our live show, which was our first live show, uh, and that was awesome. But there's even more news. And today the Giants signed a tight ends coach, Andy Bischoff. Andy, welcome to New York. Um, I don't know if he's bald or not. Do we know?
1: Oh, I pray to God he is. Because I know. We need more bald coaches.
0: Well, yeah. look at me. I don't even have a hat today. He's going to leave me hanging out to dry if he doesn't. <laughs> I, I don't know.
1: Well, I'll stop wearing my toupee going forward. So. There I, there.
0: <laughs> um, I mean, I'm look, as far as assistant coaches go, unless it's a big name, somebody who's been around the league who has some kind of reputation, good or bad, my opinion is going to be – kind of minimal unless it's an O-line coach or a QB coach I'm not going to be able to extrapolate a lot I'll do my best to dive in there but I don't think there's anything too crazy about him that's going to change my mind I mean essentially he's coaching the tight ends to run Brian Dable's offense nothing he's going to do in the tight end room is going to shake too much I don't think
1: the only thing that could be interesting about the hire is the fact that we may have a completely different tight end room going into next year like Evan Ingram's not coming back uh, Kyle Rudolph probably isn't coming back, you know, Caden Smith, maybe, but we're probably gonna be drafting somebody and yeah. maybe, you know, getting a, a, a low level of free agent or something. So if there, if, if the thought is we're going to be drafting somebody, maybe that tight end coach might be a little more important because just to help with that transition to the NFL and help with that, uh, transition into the table offense. So it might be a little more interesting than just, Oh, a tight end, you know, a regular position coach hiring, but again, really it depends on who we're gonna get and what this room is gonna look like after free agency, after the draft, after you know, cut down day, all those type of things.
0: I would it's, almost it's big, say of, you know, I would almost say it'd be more interesting if Evan Ingram were returning. Or like, you know what I mean? Like just somebody who was like you know, I mean it's a little late for Evan Ingram, but like let's just say it was like year two for Evan Ingram and it was just one of those things like, yeah, we see him as a receiver, but where's the blocking and you know that'd be something where like maybe at that point if we had hired him whatever years ago uh, I'd be more interested in seeing his track record and what he's but, – but like you said, like we're bringing in a tight ends coach. We don't even have a tight end at this point. As far as I'm <laughs> concerned, it's going to be Caden Smith and, and nobody else that's on the roster right now. So I'm not I'm not looking at this like how is he going to do this, that, and the other thing. Like essentially Brian Dable is going to run his offense and the tight ends, if they don't perform, then we'll get on his ass I guess. Like if we're, if we're seeing sloppy technique. But I, I don't even know who the tight end is going to be to assess. So – uh, congr- congratulations. Welcome, Andy Bischoff. I hope you're bald. If not, we're getting razors. Um, <laughs> uh, but more importantly – uh, that sounds so rude. But seriously, more importantly, Patrick Graham, after not taking the head coaching position where uh, in Minnesota is where he interviewed, correct?
1: I, I, was he ever offered the job or – He interviewed. Right. OK. So he, he, he didn't not take it. He just
0: – No, no, no. He interviewed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. After not getting that job uh, – you know, It was kind of announced that he would be returning unless he got a head coaching job. And uh, now that's not really the case. I mean we were assuming he was back the last time. We did the live show. It was like Thursday night. Um, and now this is Sunday night. And um, he's he's gone to Las Vegas where he'll work with Josh McDaniels, which interestingly, I never thought he would ever get a job in the NFL again.
1: After that stunt, he pulled the last time. But you know something – is a very short memory in this league. You know, guys... And a and, lot of
0: desperation from winning.
1: Exactly, exactly. It explains why... I mean, lovey Smith tonight is being reported as possibly being the new head coach in Houston where it, you get amnesia for how bad of a job you do before or just personality issues or, you know, the way you act or something. So when you say, oh, he'll never get a job again, just wait a couple of years and he'll come back. So I guess he's going to have a job. But I guess with, with Patrick Graham... You know the first question you know everybody's thinking about is well what happened, and the second question is well what does that mean? Is that good or bad? So, so we want to start hypothesizing about the why, or.
0: Um, I I think, it was just sort of an awkward situation where the assistant head coach I I, I think Joe Judge, while not really deserving to be back, was also. Saddled with a whole bunch of, he I, he was scapegoated for a lot of things that I don't think were his fault. Correct. You know what I mean? Uh, I I don't think he deserved to be back, but he had to be fired to maintain a public image. He had to be fired because it was sort of the precedent that John Mara had set out for himself: is that he wanted to feel confident at the end of this season that the ship had turned around, and he had no he had no reason to think that at the end of this season. Um, right. Now. That I would argue is just as much his fault as as anybody else's by saddling Joe Judge with an offensive coordinator he did not want, and that clearly stagnated the offense. Um, you know, so whose fault it was is whatever. And now you have the situation where Graham G- Graham is the example of Joe Judge's way working, right? I mean, he's the coordinator he wanted to bring in, and the defense was not the issue. I mean. Uh, you know, this is still a rebuilding team, so I'm not sitting here telling you that Patrick Graham had a top five defense out there. Because I'm not saying that. But the defense was the last thing I was really worried about. And if anything, I just felt like, if, man, if only they could just have a game where they didn't have to be hold the, the opponent to 13 points in order to win, maybe we'd we'll do, do, do be, better. Or we'll have to be on
1: the field for 40 minutes because the offense is three and outing every time, too. Yeah, I correct. Mean, so All those numbers that the defense had, they're not a top five defense, but... They might have been a little closer if the offense pulled its weight in any possible way, which it, you know, obviously second half of the year they couldn't do.
0: Right, and so now I think you have this situation where Patrick Graham is just like, he's he's like one half of a of a philosophy, and he's just kind of stuck here without the other half, and and there's nothing wrong with that, and I, I think he was okay with that position, but just it seemed like a natural time for him to break and become a head coach or, or go somewhere else for it. And it didn't happen. The Giants wanted to keep him in it. it. just felt weird. And then you have the separate situation lineup where a guy he worked with in New England, he's getting his own team out there. They already have a quarterback kind of in place. They've got a pretty good defense. They made the playoffs. this year, the playoffs. Which is yeah, insane. You know, without a coach. I mean, they made the playoffs without a coach for half the year. Um, and quite frankly, their GM is under fire for for just the moves he's made. I mean,
1: well, they fired Mayock, didn't they?
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But uh, yeah. I I believe so. Um, yeah, they fired Mayock. But but I mean, it's not like they're inheriting some some fantastic program ready to go. I mean, they, they overachieved, I would say. Um, they're already kind of ahead of the game. It just seems like a natural fit for him to go there. It feels yeah. more right, is all.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not buying the argument people are saying. as well. They fired his best friend, so out of loyalty for him, he's leaving the Giants. That's not the case. I don't. I don't buy that really at all. No, I don't think
0: that at all. I don't.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, some people I saw that on, on you know my Twitter feed was saying, well, he could have you know, quit
0: at any time if that was the case.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Um, I don't necessarily think this is a good thing. I mean, for the Giants, I think it's a step back. I mean, people are arguing, well, you know, they're starting fresh. You know, everybody's on the same cycle or something, but if you believe that you're kind of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, I think, you know, that the defense was the strength of this team the last two years. Um, you know, it was a little shaky in the beginning of the season, but by, you know, mid season, this defense was running fine without having the benefit of an edge rusher to make life easier for him um, with, with some of the significant injuries. So I, I am not someone who's like, well, just because now you have a new GM and a new head coach, you just get rid of everybody. just, Start completely from scratch. I think you want to keep what works and get rid of what doesn't. And to me, you know, I would have felt a lot better him staying because you know you don't have to worry as much about well we're gonna have a new potentially a new scheme on defense and maybe that would require getting rid of guys or people being not in the right fit for a new scheme and new philosophy. So it, it it is a step back. I don't think it's a. I mean we'll get a we'll get a nice candidate. I mean some of the people we're gonna mention shortly are qualified candidates, but. For this team that has so much to do and rebuild and reorganize, I would like to have at least one year that holdover from the year before. We don't have to worry about as much for a significant unit of the team.
0: Yeah, I'm actually in complete agreement with you. Uh, I, I, no, I, I don't think it's a good thing. I'm, also, I'm not going to shed a ton of tears over it either uh, because... I I agree with you. I think it would have been nice to have that one year crossover where you have the defense just be, where you can just be like the defense could could hold. It's it's fine. Well, you know what I mean. Like it, it's just it's fine. Just leave it alone for now. The offense is so goddamn broken. Let's just. Focus on that, and it would have been good to have that year where you can just put a little bit of a minimal investment in the defense. Be like, these contracts are expiring; we need new guys to take these places, or or, or whatever. Um, but really, just you know, leave them on their own. Patrick Graham knows what he's doing over there; he managed to, to a, a good defense with what he has. And then on the offensive side, just put your invest. You know what I mean? Like make this offense work because it's an offensive league. The offense is fucking broken. You have an offensive head coach. I mean, everything on the offense needs help, and it would be nice. To have a competent team for that year, so have have something of uh, a product right there. Even now, the flip side of that is, I think it would be a one year rental with Patrick Graham if he stayed anyway. I mean, it, Wait, I,
1: you're gonna you're about to make my point. I, I had two points to say, kind of going forward about Patrick Graham, and then we move on. Is one, I don't get too attached to or too concerned about coordinators coming, um, whether they're for me or they're for opponents. Where if they are good they're not going to be in that position very long. They're going to move on. So like whether it's college or the NFL. So if I hear that someone, an elite defensive coordinator is going to Philly, it's like, well, if he's elite and he does really well, he's probably going to be a head coach in a year or two. So it's not like, Oh my God, for the next seven years, I got to deal with this head coach. All of a sudden came my division. So I don't get too stressed out about coordinators on my opponents. I don't get too locked into a coordinator on my own team because I'm, it it's probably a relatively shorter term they'll be there if they're good. Uh and the second thing I wanted to say is that I know a lot of people have been saying, you know, well I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna wish him the best and I'm gonna be rooting for him in LA. I can't do that, Grump. He quit on us. And you know something? Go off and you know, do your thing in, in, in Vegas, but I am not rooting for you going forward because to me you quit on my team and I hold grudges. So Move on and, and the hell with you. Uh,
0: I mean I. I get it. I feel you. Um,
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a very angry person. I'm a very cranky fan, as you all know. And I, I just you know, I don't have to be like, well, I'm rooting for him at the next you know next spot. Like it's not like he was here for 15 years and brought us three Super Bowls. He didn't do that. You know he's a guy who was here just for a couple of years and he's moving on so yeah that's the root for
0: him. that is the lowering of the bar talking i think Giants exactly fans. and
1: maybe and we are right now at the low ring because we've had no success for so long and just the the slightest little well i mean i I, I, I get you I'm
0: not, I'm not gonna i'm not gonna feel bad if if things flame out in las vegas you know i i feel bad i feel bad for what's already happened to him i'll put it that way i feel bad that that what what looked like was going to work was had the rug thrown out from underneath them right from the very beginning. I mean uh, and, and they get scapegoated with a lot of things that probably weren't their fault and it, you know whatever. I feel more bad about him being in the awkward situation that he was in than I feel bad about anything else but um uh, but i I did I, I do think that Patrick Graham is one of the better defensive coordinators in the entire league it, what he's able to adjust, Around and and get the most out of his guys, I, I think is underappreciated around the league, but Giants fans recognize uh, just how good he was, um, yeah. and I, I think that's more of a tip of the hat of that level of under the radar, you know, appreciation for him he, more than
1: anything. Any gi- giant fan who knows the situation the Giants are truly in knows that he's probably a better defensive coordinator than was actually on the field the last two years. Definitely. You know, so.
0: Joe, um, so just rifling through some of the defensive coordinator interviews that we know about. And uh, two of these guys are pretty storied guys, right? Jim Schwartz, most recently with the Tennessee Titans uh, as their senior defensive coordinator. Um, but, you know, known, I would say, mostly as the defensive coordinator for the Titans in, in the early stretch of the 2000s uh, before becoming a head coach for Detroit, where I think he's... You know, known for having some level of success up there as far as Detroit standards go, Detroit football standards go. Um, also, <laughs> probably known for that midfield end of game run in with um, Jim Harbaugh uh, mm-hmm. post game, um, and then
1: which which you all commend, by the way. <laughs>
0: uh, you know what? Honestly, what was it? You commend, you commend on both sides.
1: No, I commend him for doing that because I'm not a Jim Harbaugh fan at all. So I mean,
0: Actually, uh, so what I'm getting to here, where he went to Philadelphia, he won a Super Bowl as a defensive coordinator in his first year there, and then he resigned, I believe, before Doug Peterson was fired uh, in 2020 as defensive coordinator that whole time. You know, uh, Jim Schwartz brings an aggressive 4-3 style. He likes to get after the quarterback. I think he has a good track record of getting after the quarterback. I also think he's a dick-faced asshole, and I don't like him. Um, and I de- and this is me being consistent. I, I said the same thing when Philadelphia hired him, and uh, while they had initial success with him there, uh, what I kind of hypothesized, I think, sort of happened there is that Doug Peterson started to kind of shit the bed a little bit, and then you see a split in the locker room when you have two, you know, uh, alpha coaches in the room. I guess you would say a former head coach. He's a hothead, man. He's a hothead, and that's what it really comes down to. And I I. Uh, I think that he is still angling for a head coaching job. I think that he does not want a defensive coordinator job um, at all. I think he's still – I think he thinks he can do it, and I'm not disagreeing, but it's – he seems like a very my way or the highway guy. I also don't really like the idea of switching our defense to a 4-3.
1: He reminds me a little of Greg Williams a little bit, that type of thing. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. I'm just waiting for uh, hashtag dickfaceasshole to start trending around <laughs> Twitter. That's a uh, that's a I, point for Twitter.
0: I honestly don't. I, I like him less than I like Jim Harbaugh. And I agree with you. I don't really like Jim Harbaugh that much either. Uh, because uh, Jim Harbaugh just acts like an, an actual child yeah. on the sidelines. Yes, um, agreed. Whereas, you know, the two of them together is like. Honestly, like twins. Um, you know, I'm not a big fan of the Jim Schwartz move. Obviously, if he came in, I, I do think he would give us some success. I don't think he would be here for very long. I think the problem really would be is that if he comes here, you have to make an immediate switch to a 4-3. And I don't think he's going to be here long enough to do it, – it's such an overhaul. And I, I just – I and, don't know. And, I feel bad about it. I don't feel good about it.
1: Big, and that was my biggest thing why I wanted Patrick Graham here, at least just one year. Is right. that way – another guy comes in who wants to do you know a, a scheme change that's more resources and time you have to deal with to make those changes. Because if you have guys who are, you know, we have built a roster based on, you know, the, the scheme we had before. And you have to start getting guys that are not in position or don't play, you know, a, a gap the right way or something. It's going to look ugly in the beginning. we have enough to worry about on the offensive side of the ball. So that was my big, you know, get me one more year, Patrick Graham, at least the same thing. So that might, you know, possibly affect their, their, their coaching search you know who knows if they want to make that big switch or not so
0: um next guy on the list is don wink martindale uh most recently defensive coordinator for baltimore um i i think look, look I, I can get behind martindale more than i can jim schwartz beyond my personal issues with jim schwartz uh, I I mean I mean that legitimately because I like aggressive defenses especially if you have an offense that scores points which I hope that's what we're trying to build you get an offense that scores points then you have an aggressive defense you know usually good things happen um and he is incredibly aggressive he blitzes at a very high rate and probably near the top in the NFL um and, and, and the way that they kind of ended last year is that they were they were really, top five in the NFL against the run, but they kind of struggled against the pass. And I think that was likely due a lot more to injuries than anything else. He's had success in Baltimore pretty much since Lamar Jackson's got there and started scoring points for that team. Um, you know, prior to that, I mean, Martindale's name, for, for as old as he is, I mean, he's not a, a spring chicken uh, like like all these other coaches we're interviewing that are friggin' my age, uh, you know, f- but for all that, he's not a name that was tossed around the NFL until very, very, very recently. Um, and it, it leads me to believe that you know, perhaps he's only as good as the talent on the field, or maybe he just was untapped before he went to Baltimore. He was only a defensive coordinator for one year in Denver in 2010. Um, which 2010? That was was that the Tebow year?
1: He was eight nine. No, he, Tebow wasn't a rookie that year, right? So it was in the year after, I believe. Okay. I think it was 2011
0: um so but was that under mcdaniel anyway
1: i believe so yes it was yeah yeah. mcdaniel mcdaniel's the one who who drafted him right right yeah Um, i think i think it was the second year
0: um how do you feel about wink martindale
1: i mean he's solid i mean he's got a nice pedigree um again if you said he runs a four-three more, right?
0: No, he, he does not. He runs. Three, he
1: runs four. a three-four. Okay, so it's you know again fitting, but again I guess the question really is, Grump, are we is that overly? Do we need to stay with what we had before? You know, or are we just are we doing an overhaul now and just we bite the bullet and we just. You know, we, we, uh, I mean, we go into we, we start it now with with the rebuild on the, on the defense. It depends. Or? It
0: depends. So my, my I don't have a problem with with. The, the idea of biting the bullet and just changing the whole organization from front to back in one year I, I don't have a problem with that what I have a problem with is doing that with or because of a guy that I don't think intends to be here very long if you hire some guy who's the, I'm not I'm not judging this if, if you find if you you're hearing rumors that this defensive line coach, from San Francisco or wherever is the bees friggin knees and you bring him in for an interview and he blows your socks off and and I have no problem with that. He's 39 years old. This is his first defensive coordinator. He's not going anywhere for a couple of years. So if you're switching your whole system around or or whatever, you're going to invest more in the defense because of a guy that's going to be here for a while, fine. I can get behind that. What I can't get behind is adjusting the whole defense. At the same time, we should really be focusing on adjusting this offense for a guy who's going to be here for two years and fuck off. I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? That's kind of my issue.
1: I guess i just have in the back of my mind that coordinator is only going to be any good ones going to be here for two years and move on anyway so that's kind of the shelf life i mean i don't want someone to bail after one year but to me if you really are cutting your chops after two years you're going to be out there interviewing i think especially if you're a young guy especially if you should so market increase over what we've had before i think that's just the the cost of doing business now the question is do you once you do that rebuild over two years, and you like what that that philosophy is, you bring in someone to kind of keep it and move it, you know, keep going with that philosophy. That's a little different. But like right now, I guess because we're just overhauling everything, you know, everything is kind of up in the air of what we're going to do.
0: Yeah, I think you might be right. I mean, you, you you're your window of opportunity to succeed is really fast. I mean, Buffalo goes, they they're doing everything right, and all they don't win, but their entire coaching staff got gutted. So yeah, mm-hmm. maybe again,
1: right. we don't know really what kind of organizational decisions are being made right now. Like you know, are they thinking that this year you know we are looking more to maybe trade some draft picks and get more draft capital? And just we, we don't know what they're thinking yet. You know, so I, I think I think we got to get this organ like this front office a little time to kind of do some assessments of what they have now and what they want to do is a game plans to go into free agency and the draft and et cetera et cetera I think it's still a little too early for that
0: hmm Uh, they're also bringing in uh, Terrell Austin Ah, he's currently the defensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers Um, prior to that yes prior to that he was defensive coordinator his first defensive coordinator position was with Florida for one year uh, before he made the jump to the NFL
1: that's right, and I believe he was defensive coordinator the first years of... Was that uh, Must Champs? So he... you know, Did he have the years down when he was... 2010. He was? Okay, so that would have been... Uh, actually, no, that was That's Urban, Urban Meyers last year. Yeah, before. That was that year where he was kind of like retired and being a part-time coach, so that team was a mess anyway. Mm-hmm. A lot of NFL talent on it. Yeah. Um, and then he left once uh, Urban left, and, and he brought in Muschamp. So, um, the well, Urban, I mean, so, it's a year, so, but it was, it was you know they they had really really good defenses back in the late you know twenty ten or you know two thousand nine two thousand eleven time. A lot of NFL guys from from those teams.
0: Definitely, yeah. He made his jump over to Baltimore, where he went to the secondary's coach, and then right after Jim Schwartz is fired as head coach of. Uh, Did the tour Alliance, He comes over there for 2014 to 2017 as defensive coordinator, then over to Cincinnati for a year, and then he's he's over in Pittsburgh. Um, This was his first year as the full defensive coordinator over there, and I thought that they did very well against the pass. Uh, You know, just looking statistically, they ranked in the top half of the league in in passing categories. They were especially good at getting after the quarterback. Um, They struggled a little bit more against the run, uh, kind of the same story as the Giants most importantly he's the only one of the four guys being interviewed that is bald
1: well that just gives you an advantage right there
0: yeah exactly <laughs> um, no in, in all seriousness I I'm taking Terrell Austin very seriously I, I think I think the th- the only one I don't think I, I want is Jim Schwartz you know moving just you know quickly ahead to Sean Desai uh, he has a very very limited Resume just because he's he's really young, but he was most recently Chicago Bears defensive coordinator. He came, but more importantly, he came into to Chicago in 2013 under Mark Tressman. That's how long. Oh. That, that 2013 does not seem. It, Mark Tressman sounds like a 2001 name to me, but <laughs> uh, but he stayed. He was a defensive quality control coach and he stayed under John Fox and then again under Matt Nagy. He was there through different coaching staffs. He actually got promoted by Matt Nagy to cover the safeties. You know, Eddie Jackson had a Pro Bowl year under him. Then he gets promoted defensive coordinator in 2021. Robert Quinn has 18 and a half sacks this year. I don't know, man. That Chicago team was a damn mess, but the defense is, I mean, also the defense is kind of where they didn't have any trouble, but I mean, I don't know. He he didn't do too badly. I mean, I can't really a, a
1: similar similar situation to the Giants, where you're getting no support from the offense, mm-hmm. and and they have to carry the load more than uh, you know you would like a defense to, or would want them to.
0: And that's this is one of the things where I'd say like Sean DeSai is very young. He doesn't have a huge resume. I don't think he's getting a ton of interviews. If you were to change a lot of things about your defense for a guy like this, I think you could get him to be a defensive coordinator here for a good. I think you can get him for four-plus years. You know what I mean? And in those situations, if you need to change things around on your defense to make it work for him, then I can get behind that. It's just guys like Jim Schwartz that I think are going to be here for a year or two years and then leave. I, I think it, that, there's no sense in dumping taste, the inventory there.
1: Once you get that taste of being a head coach, it never, you never leave it. So.
0: um so that's kind of where the Giants are at right now. Those interviews are being conducted. Uh, I think that I will be happy no matter what. But we'll have more of a breakdown of these guys once we have the hire. And this is this is a big hire. Uh, it's probably the last one that I'm going to care tremendously about. Um, the the assistants, you know, they're assistants. Uh, they're, the, the guys in charge are in charge for a reason. The assistants have a job to do. And that's kind of right. it. Um, Great. Great. Which brings us to the Super Bowl and how we're not in it. How about that?
1: A tradition like no other.
0: (laughs) Um, Did you see the Rams and Bengals being a possibility?
1: Well, Cincinnati had four wins last year, so absolutely not.
0: Uh, But you had had more of a close look of Joe Burrow than most other people.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean – joe burrow i mean certainly not right now and certainly not after the injury he had last year i think think it's pretty amazing he got back on the field so quickly i agree with that i listen you know i've been watching the sec for 30 plus years you know i've seen i've seen all the best in person i've seen the cam newtons i've seen the danny werfels i've seen you know the best that league has to offer i've i've seen them all And that year, that offense that that LSU team had and his pinpoint accuracy and not just dink and dunk down the field, if you watch that 2019 SEC championship against Georgia, now we're talking Georgia, they were bombs away and he was hitting guys all over the field all all game. I mean, guys like Jamar Chase and and just talent everywhere. You knew this guy was going to be special. He had a super high... Uh, completion rate in high school, super high in college, and you know, it was doing the same thing now. I'm just, I'm shocked it happened this quickly. Uh, to be very honest, especially with the injury on top. Yeah, so. it's it,
0: it's insane. It's it's uh, some would say it's big news. And here's some big news just in time for the Super Bowl. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of Super Bowl Fifty Six, is officially live right here in New York State <laughs> with mobile sports betting. That means you can place a bet no matter where you are. Like. Where are you going to be watching, man? Are you okay, going to be I in New York? Be,
1: I will be in New York, and I will probably be at our cousin's house watching the game. And the first thing I'm going to do, will be opening this. Yeah. Oh, I will not be opening that. That's okay. I
0: can't see it anyway with your green screen. I'll just take your word for it. <laughs> it's a phone.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's a phone, and I'll be opening up my app.
0: Yeah, and your DraftKings. Th-
1: mul- I'll be making multiple bets. I'll be betting on the spread. I'll be pointing. The point spread. I'll be doing more props than you know what to do with. I will have a party with me and my phone.
0: Yeah, and so that's that's essentially the point. Is that you could be at a bar, you could be at a friend's house, you could be at your own house, you could be at your parents' house, you mean a basement, anywhere where you have cell signal. If you are in New York State, with the DraftKings, you know, sportsbook app, you can you can do it from anywhere, which is which is pretty awesome. Uh, so it's an exciting time to be a sports fan, and DraftKings is making it even more exciting with this special offer. Not a new customer? You can experience Super Bowl 56 with same-game parlays, is kind of what you were talking about. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Sign up using our promo code JUSTGIANTS, bet just $5, and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. So that's 56 to 1 odds using our code JUSTGIANTS. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl Fifty Six. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for full details. Must be twenty-one years or older and physically present in New York. Gambling problem? Call eight seven seven eight HOPE NY or text HOPE NY four six seven three six nine. Who are you betting for? Who's winning? <sighs> LA's got. It's minus four or five.
1: Minus <laughs> four and a half. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, Grump, I don't like either team. I don't like, I don't like either quarterback personally. Uh, so you have to bet with your head, not with your heart, in this one. And to me, I, I think it comes down to the the, the Rams pass rush against a, a very a pretty bad Bengals offensive line. I think that's that, and the fact that I think the Rams just have more have more weapons. I mean, remember Odell Beckham is healthy, a wide receiver. Mm-hmm and he's wide receiver two on this team yeah you know so uh, I, I, I think these quarterbacks I think Burrow's a, a better quarterback uh, I just like all the intangibles I think also um Ham's a better head coach I am going to give the four and a half points and bet on the Rams and hold my nose that a Georgia quarterback wins the Super Bowl
0: I think you're right But just for that, I'm going to bet Cincinnati wins. That's how it's going to go. And they're going to win by a lot. I think they're going to win by, let's say, well, let's say they win by six. Win by six? Yep.
1: That sounds...
0: So it'll come down to a a final drive. I would watch that game.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'll I'll be watching as well. Don't worry. Um, I do want to give a shout-out to Tyler Higby, uh, Eastlake High School Eagle. Congrats, man! First guy from our high school to make it to the Super Bowl. So wow,
0: that is pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, good luck to him.
0: Um, I'm I'm probably the first person from my high school to run a podcast. That uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that's pretty much it. Um,
1: I'm sure you'll. I might it have all been. How about so.
0: this? I'm probably the first person from my high school to attend the Senior Bowl um, in any capacity. Probably <laughs> true. That's probably true. Whether as an athlete or a media member. And either well, way, that's fucking impressive. Cause well,
1: if I, I would have gone with you, I probably would have been the second. Cause Tyler Higby, I'm sure went as well.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. Well. Whatever. I almost didn't make it out of my SQL, school, so we take what we can get. Um, so I went down there, and uh, I just want to give so a quick recap of around the positions of uh, you know, cause we're, we're running a little long on time here, but a quick reta- recap of the guys, you know, and how things shook up. Because I went down there with some preconceived notions based on some work that I had done. Um, and i you know there were some guys who were like yeah i'm really excited to see him because he dominated at his level of competition and you know where is he now um and there were other guys there were other guys there and so we kind of detailed this a little bit on the live show but you know the senior bowl roster as it was was not complete and not only that but they had run out by the time we got there and we were there very early <laughs> i mean we were we were some of the earliest people there and they were out of rosters when we showed up
1: Quick question for you: What is the difference between guys who go to the Senior Bowl versus go to the East West Shrine Bowl? Is it just like clearly second tier guys are going to the Shrine Bowl with the the uh, the higher prospects are going to the Senior Bowl, or do they kind of split it up fifty fifty, or how does that work?
0: I got to be totally honest; I don't know that much about about the Shrine game. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I when I started doing this stuff, they were kind of like. Uh, this thing that I didn't really know a whole lot about, and the Senior Bowl just, you know, became more and more popular as I started paying attention. So it was the only thing I really, it was what I gravitated around. I, I gotta be honest, I don't really know that much about the Shrine game, but I know a lot about the Senior Bowl uh, and that they are just all seniors. And they, you know, they're hand-selected, you know, and it's, it's to help these guys from smaller schools. It's to help guys, and they get this, this week of NFL coaching. You have two different staffs, so you have two different teams. They play this game that nobody cares about. Um, I, I, I did actually start to watch the game before I fell asleep. I was just exhausted. Um,
1: did, did you last but, longer in the Senior Bowl or the Pro Bowl?
0: Well, I turned it on, so I, I beat the Pro Bowl <laughs> right off the bat. Um, I didn't watch any of that shit. No, seriously. I, but the, the, the truth of the matter is that a lot of what's taken away from this is how guys perform in practice up against those guys and how they take to coaching day-to-day and rep-to-rep, for that matter. Um, that's really what it's about. And it's, it's about guys like Malik Willis. Malik Willis is perfect for the Senior Bowl because the big knock on him is that his mechanics are bad but, but he's you know people are enthralled by his special ability but he still only played at liberty and he was playing against really weak competition and it really is a chance to see if he can you know take to NFL coaching clean up mechanics if he can hang you know what i mean these guys are going to the NFL this all star team right here not all of them are going to be drafted but all of them most of them are going to the NFL they're going and if you can hang with these guys, then you probably belong. You know, this is this is the best way to showcase showcase him in it because the the combine is nonsense, right? I mean, the combine is
1: running around in your underwear.
0: Yeah, the combine is a bunch of exercises that get so overanalyzed that we forget to that these guys play a game. They don't run these drills for a living; they play a game for a living, and that the okay. game makes a friggin' difference. And O lineman running forties doesn't mean anything. Um,
1: it was last time you saw a lineman run forty yards in the game
0: chasing after an interception usually
1: (laughs) okay so once
0: uh yeah yeah usually only in the worst scenarios um uh but so yeah uh, this was definitely something where i came down here thinking this was uh this was going to go one of two ways well that this was going to be kenny pickett and malik willis were the two quarterbacks i was really really keying in on they were the only two i thought really were going to make some noise here and kenny pickett did not look good uh the whole week Mm. and malik willis malik willis right off the bat looked pretty good and looked better as the week went on you know this is people went a little crazy over this touch pass he threw rolling out to his left it was a very routine throw and that's fine but this is exactly what we needed to see from him well we needed to see that he could make that routine throw that was the that was the gripe and we saw it um and you know we saw the fastball that he throws you know that was another thing is that he can pretty much only throw at one speed and it's enough to take off ahead and you could see it guy, hitting guys right in the hands and they're dropping it but you can hear it hitting their hands um and then we saw him implement the touch pass over over the next couple of days um i'm much higher on malik willis now than i was before i came down there
1: i think i may ask you this in the live show last week and i'll i'll ask you again do you make a much as much of an impression on you that it could change your possible thinking of maybe drafting a quarterback in one of the two spots we have right now? Just on his performance alone, like, oh, this guy looks like someone that now I have to think about.
0: Yes, now I have to think about if that's if that's the barometer. Yes. Yes. Now I have to think yes. about if we were not changing coaches right now, I would feel differently. Like if Joe Judge weren't fired, I would feel. I would feel like he made some noise. He impressed me. If anything, I would be thinking, wow, if he gets himself into the top five, that'll help us trade out. Now, I don't know. I have no handle on what this, you know, and and quite frankly, this is a guy who is raw, has mechanics issues, and already dominates. And, you know, that's like the old saying, right? Like, if you have two guys who perform equally and one has perfect fundamentals and the other has bad ones, you want the one with bad ones. Because once you correct them, he'll be even better. There's not much more you can do with the guy who's already got the perfect fundamentals. You know what I mean? So th- there's precedent there. I can see the comparison to Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. I'm also going to try and not uh, assume that every quarterback that can run around and throw the ball like a laser is going to be one of those guys. And, uh, you know, there's that. I
1: definitely, I definitely think your experience this year, you know, it's... It, understanding of what to look for, how to look for it, all the, you know, the infrastructure around it, I think is really going to pay off next year because next year is going to be so much more stable because now you will know. Now you can be looking at guys, not just, you know, how does this guy do a touch fast? How does he get coached? But how is he fitting into what the Giants need? And right now, like you said, we have no feel for it. We don't know. We don't know anything at this point. We just, and literally as you were on the field watching, you were getting messages that, you know, we're hiring this person. Yeah. There's a loss. There's a lawsuit against the Giants, and people are scrambling. This was the most. Probably insane senior bowl you will ever go to with all these things happening at once and being your first time. And not for year, nothing,
0: not for nothing, but it was pouring rain the one day too, so I could barely even have my phone out because like the right. buttons just don't work. And then the next day we didn't even get to go because there was supposed to be a storm and it didn't rain till after practice anyway. But we weren't allowed in, so I was only allowed this limited amount of. Well, I mean, I had two, I had two days. I'm just complaining That's about solid. the rain, really. But I mean next year.
1: <laughs> know next year you know we'll both be there we'll have a lot we'll know what to do we'll have more technology and equipment maybe we'll have a sponsor again by then so we'll have more stuff and it'll be and more importantly it's like okay you know we have we already have our defense coordinator we know what our needs are going to be more you know and specifically you can fine-tune is this guy fit what we are doing now as opposed to well that guy looks good yeah <laughs> so I think it's gonna be a real advantage going through it this year for what's going to happen next year at Super
0: Bowl, um, I was impressed with uh, a couple of running backs down there as well. You know, it's it's not looking like Saquon Barkley is likely here beyond next year, so some guys to think about. You know, one guy I was I was I thought was going to be the best when he went down there was Damian Pierce from Florida because I liked his pass blocking ability. He showed up with a fantastic post practice pass blocking rep. I thought Abram Smith Smith from Baylor looked pretty good in practice, and he showed up on the game tape as well. He has some nice elusive moves in the open, not even in the open field. I mean, in congestion, he has some nice elusive moves. And Rashad White from Arizona State, who actually is Bobby Skinner's favorite, um, I thought he had some really nice moves in practice as well. So running back, you know, it's one of those things that's uh, not high up on the needs list, but you know, thinking fourth round, you can invest into a guy to be here for four years is not bad.
1: It might be a very important meet for this team. Yeah. if you know, Even if Barkley is on the roster on day one next year, he may not be on the roster in week 17. So they may be thinking ahead, you know, life after Barkley, you know, maybe life after Booker. So I would definitely think that a, a running back will be drafted at some point. Um, you know, again, what level tier? I mean, I, I tend to doubt very, very, very seriously that we'd have another GM drafting one you know, in the top five, <laughs> but yeah. you know, and, and I would probably doubt in day two, but certainly in day three, you know, I think, you know, the value of running back drafted high has been proven over and over again, that it's not going to happen. So I think you might see, you know, if a Damien Pierce is available, like in the fourth or fifth round, maybe you, you jump on a guy like that. I would agree. We'll, yeah. And Grump, maybe what we'll do is we'll try to get, uh, Mark McLeod, our, you know, our second biggest, Oh skater, yeah. Uh, expert on this show maybe we'll bring him in before the draft and we can go over guys like Pierce and you know other guys from Florida and also the rest of the SEC too to uh provide some more insight from that but that would actually
0: be awesome we'll yeah yeah that little, sure um tight end you mentioned is a is an empty room right now uh two guys that I was keying in on down there that I was really high on to begin with I left feeling even better about was Trey McBride out of Colorado State and Jake Ferguson from Wisconsin. Uh, one, They're both complete tight ends. Uh, one's a little taller. Uh, one's a little bit, I would say, a better blocker, but it's pretty close, 1-2 right there, however you want to look at it. The two of them are fantastic. Both would be a huge addition to this offense. Um, and quite honestly, even the tight ends down there that didn't impress me much were still pretty pretty good. Uh, so there's, there's a good crop of tight ends that are going to come up in the draft that are going to be from the Senior Bowl, and I... I will have an advantage there, I would say.
1: It also grow too, let's put things in perspective. If guys disappoint in this, it doesn't mean they're going from a guy that's like could be a second round pick to oh, he's not draft worthy. You know, it's just kinda of, No, it could. Yeah, you could. Like, yeah, I mean, like somebody's just like un- unacceptable, like this guy's not an NFL player. I mean
0: I mean y I mean like the senior bowl oftentimes has guys like that are from small schools and gigantic specimens, right? Like you might get a guy who's like Six foot ten and plays left tackle at I don't know name a uh, Moorhead State, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And where where he just steamrolls guys, and then he comes here and it it's shown that he has no technique whatsoever. He's literally just a big body, you know, and he does not belong. I mean, yeah, it could it, it could it could squash him. Yeah, I
1: guess I was, I guess I was thinking more of like skill guys like like tight end specifically. Like there's oh. like going to be a tight end who is like all of a sudden like this guy's not an NFL tight end. I mean. I think when you're getting in, yeah. I think that would be okay. pretty rare. Yeah, yeah. It's just more about what you're going to be slotted in the draft and what your value goes up and down. But
0: yeah, um, there and were also, some wide receivers too.
1: And beauty's in the eye of the beholder, too. I mean, we've seen it a hundred times. Guys drop to the fourth and fifth round, and someone's like, "I love that guy. I'm taking him." So
0: yeah, um, some wideouts I really liked to keep an eye on going forward. Valus Jones Jr. from Tennessee looked really good. Uh, Christian Watson from North Dakota State, who I knew nothing about going into this, looked pretty good. Calvin Austin from Memphis that I already really liked. I liked even more, even though I found out he was shorter than listed. Um, Jalen Tolbert, who I thought was just there because he was from South Alabama, actually was absolutely not the case. He looked fantastic. And Khalil Khalil Shakir from Boise State looked pretty good as well. I just want to move over to the offensive line and defensive line because I thought that was the part where I had the – Best insight based on practices and also, I would say, are important positions for the Giants. And then we can kind of wrap this 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 long one okay. up here. But okay. um, there were four guys in the offensive line that I thought really, really, really stood out. And there were a lot of offensive linemen that looked good. But the guys that stood out to me the most were Zion Johnson from Boston College. He's likely going to play guard. He did get center reps both in the game and in practice. But he looks like he can play anywhere and just hit people and put them on their ass. And he, he really looks like an NFL player that's disguised as a college player down there.
1: We heard a lot of buzz about him. I mean, it was all over my Twitter feed. That guy, you guys mentioned him a couple times on, on, on the shows and everything. So, yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, I, I'm not exaggerating. His calves might be the size of my
1: waist. Um, <laughs>
0: Cole Strange. Cole Strange was an undersized guy from Chattanooga. Very small school. You know, i I had done I had finished my work with him on the plane so like I had known him for a very short time he's one of the first people we saw because he was snapping the football he did almost all of his reps at center and he really looked like he belonged i I was very surprised and play with no gloves nothing um uh I thought he looked good he looked comfortable snapping the ball too I mean I don't know how, how I'm not as good at seeing like What's the proper speed off the snap to get into your stance? But he didn't look bad in that regard, um, and he looked like he belonged. So that was that was cool. Um, another guy that I think we mentioned because he's a former Rob Sale guy, Max Mitchell from Louisiana. Very 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 good mechanics. Um, looks like a mid round guy that is going to be a stable, you know, stable guy that just you, you plug in. You just you never have to worry about him. But he never really shows up in your offensive lineman rankings or anything like that. And uh, Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa, uh, he's a massive guy with a mean streak. And there's plenty of highlight clips out there of him at the Senior Bowl just throwing guys to the ground. Now, four guys I really didn't like. that Three of them I was really high on going into this. Ed Ingram from LSU had an awful week of practice. Marquise Hayes was getting coached up a bunch. He was out of Oklahoma. Those were two of the guys I was most into. Cade Mays from Tennessee had a rough week. And Daniel Falil from Minnesota, the big tackle, um, he looked like he might have a lot of struggles at the NFL level.
1: Does coaching up a lot equal not doing well?
0: Um, no. Uh, but what you'd like to see is that after coaching up, I mean, and you can see, you can hear it too. Just so you know, like what this is like, I'm literally right at the banister. The coaches, they're not, they're right at the end zone. So I can hear what's being told to them. I can hear what the drills are and I can hear what they're coaching them up on. What you don't want to hear is the same thing twice. You okay. know what I mean? And, and you don't want to be seen and seeing coaching after every rep might not be so bad, but I mean, you have guys from Chattanooga, not being coached up after every play, but you have guys from LSU and Oklahoma being coached up after every play. The kid from Michigan was being coached up after every play. You know what I mean? That's. That doesn't mean that they were bad, are bad, are going to be bad. It just means they're further below where I thought they were. That's it. That's where uh, that my assessment is now adjusted to where they are. So when they did worse than I thought. Um, and Ed, in- Ed Ingram in general, it was he was really getting beaten one on so one. he was really struggling. Um, on the defensive line, there were a bunch of guys that looked really, really good. Only guy who didn't look good to me was Kingsley Anigbaye from South Carolina. He had a lot of hype coming into this. He looked very, very pedestrian here. Very pedestrian here. But guys like Otito Obonia from UCLA, he showed up on the game tape for the Senior Bowl as well. Tariq Smith from Ohio State looked really good. Logan Hall from Houston looked good too. D'Angelo Malone from Western Kentucky, a guy I had never heard of before. Had not done any work on before this. He looked good. Uh, Mitray Sanders from Cincinnati looked pretty good. But the guy that really, really showed up to me, and it was every single one-on-one rep, was Neil Farrell Jr. from LSU. He was ripping dudes apart, and uh, we met up with, uh, oh man, Rob from Windy City Breakdown or, or whatever it's called. Uh, damn, I feel stupid now. Um, but you know, we, he was asking us, you know, like who'd you see, and we were like looking up his name. We had to Google him because he wasn't on the frigging roster sheet. Uh, We found his name. We're like, Neil Farrell from LSU? I don't know, whatever. He went to the media thing and was talking to the players and just generally asked them, like, any player, who jumped off the page of you? And they all said Neil Farrell Jr. Um, So definitely somebody I'm going to do a deep dive on going into the draft over the next coming months. And that's what you can expect from us going forward. Lots of draft content while keeping up with the news. So this is your spot for all of your Giants draft stuff. So be sure to follow me on Twitter, at football underscore grump. Follow the Cranky Fan, at the Cranky Fan. He also does Nick stuff, um,
1: <laughs> which makes
0: me laugh every time, rough, by the
1: way. Rough night last night, uh, me and Snacks were kind of going back and forth on uh, texting and stuff. That was uh, a brutal performance this season. Another team of mine needs a complete... Uh, Reevaluation of a rostering coaches, but that's for that's for the just Knicks show, which we don't
0: have yet. <laughs> yeah, um, but be sure to follow him. I, honestly, everyone's just scrolling through some serious stuff, and then just seeing a one liner, like a truly cranky one liner from Cranky Fan it will will put some tears in your eyes for sure. <laughs> You're
1: uh,
0: right, um and And you know, follow the show. There's an audio version of YouTube is not for you, but YouTube is the best way. To uh, watch this stuff, you know, going forward, we're going to have some video breakdown stuff, and and, there's a lot, there there will be more supplemental content there as well. So that, you know, subscribe on YouTube is really the best way to do this. But if that's not your thing, then audio stuff is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, that thing. All right, that's going to close it out for us. We will see you in a couple of days with another episode. It's not going to be a full week. uh, So stay tuned for that.
1: We got some. Big time guests coming up in the next couple of weeks, too. So stay tuned for that.
0: Yeah, some close friends of the show. So, all right, we'll see you next time. Go, Giants. Go Giants.